You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. It's interesting, for example, uh, you know, it took about uh, one year and four months for Homestake to actually overcome uh, the September 1929 final bull market top. So about one, one year, four months for to regain what was lost during the crash. Uh, so uh, it's very intriguing to see the gold stocks, the resurgence here and testing the highs this early on. I believe that that's telling. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And as always, you can reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. If you'd like to engage the show, what's going on in the markets, feel free to share your thoughts. However, I'm not a financial advisor. Just keep that in mind for those of you that I appreciate. Uh, email me, but ask me for specific commentary on your portfolios. That's uh that's not what my podcast offers, but I, I do offer experts in the resource and investing sector, and that's my goal to bring to you experienced perspectives to help you make decisions within your own portfolio. And my guest today definitely meets that qualification. He's been a newsletter writer and an analyst for over 30 years. Prior to that, he had 10 years experience as a stock and commodity broker. I'm speaking of James Flanagan of GAN Global Financial. The website is ganglobal.com. James is the president and founder of GAN Global Financial. And if you go to the website, you can sign up for his insiders list there and you can uh, experience and get a taste of some of his his offerings. James will share more of that at the end of our interview here. But James, welcome to Mining Stock Education. It's your first time. And as I peruse your website, I can see that your approach has been influenced by W.D. Gann. And if we could start off, could you share a little bit succinctly, what is W.D. Gann's approach to analyzing the markets and how has he influenced you? Well, in you know, 1978, Bill, uh, I had uh, got a hold of a book that he wrote, which is How to Make Profits Trading in Commodities. And he published six or seven books. Um, and this one, what really gripped me was that he was a historian. So he tells his students that, uh, you know, used a Bible quote, said, that which has been shall be, and that which has been done shall be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. And the idea is that uh, people respond the same way under similar circumstances throughout history. Uh, for example, during the stock market crash, uh, as a historian, you would go back to the 1987 crash, you'd go back to the 1927 crash, the 1869 crash. And the, the, the challenge uh, that, I, that occurred in the beginning of my career was that I had to collect all the historic data. So tens of thousands of hours spent just uh, acquiring data Data so that uh, I would be able to do forensic uh, analysis on that data, uh, compare it to what's happening today, and prices are simply a reflection of crowd behavior, and then uh, you know glean from history uh, what it tells us about circumstances, and certainly the environment that we find ourselves in right now is uh, is is intense, and I believe you know knowing the history as important as we'll ever. Uh, you know, experience in our lifetimes. James, I've had a lot of guests since the market began to sell off over the last month, and I, I've asked a number of people the question, what does the current situation remind you the most of? But because you study so far back, I suppose my question for you is, 
what prior to 1928 uh, situation does today, if at all, can be compared? Does it remind you of? Well, the you know it's interesting. The uh, we've had three crashes in U.S. financial history, one of which was 1869, uh, which was the first Black Friday or Monday. I, I don't know if I have the days right, but uh, and then the next one was in 1929, and then the next one was 1987. So in two of the three, uh, the crashes were followed by the resumption of long-term bull markets, that being 1869 and 1987. Uh, the 1929 experienced a very significant bear market rally, which would be at this stage of where we find ourselves today uh, that uh, consumed about five months. And then we started what was the long slide during the Great Depression. Uh, so we do have two uh, instances where the crashes were short-lived, uh, were violent, uh, but bull markets were resumed, and one where a long-term bear market unfolded. So uh, it's going to be key to see how uh, things unfold from here and really glean uh, what uh, – you know, from the markets, real time. Um, you know what? Whether the evidence is going to indicate a long-term bear market, I believe that's the case. When I was researching um, you prior to requesting this interview, James, people were pointing out that you successfully called the 2000 and early 2016 bottom in the gold in the gold miners. Can you share a little bit about how you came to that conclusion prior to that event occurring? One of the things was that there was a ma an amazing price pattern. Uh, we had obviously come off the 2011 high uh, with the uh, HUI gold stock index declining 84%. So, you know, there's only a handful of times in history uh, when any market will decline to that degree. For example, in 1929, uh, the stock market between 1929 and 1932 had declined 89%. And then that set the stage for a huge snapback rally off the Great Depression low. So what we did is we lined up every market that had experienced you know, a bludgeoning like that, 84% decline. And what we find, uh, the commonality is that there are violent snapback rallies. So the expectation uh, at the bottom in 2016, um, there was also a price formation where we had broken a historic low in the XAU gold stock index, you know, then reversed higher. And so uh, based on the, the forensic historic analysis, you know, it's, it's called the law of action and reaction. The more oversold a market gets, uh, the higher the likelihood that there's going to be a violent snapback rally. And so, yeah, we were able to. Uh, that was the last major buy recommendation that I made in the precious metal stocks until where we find ourselves today. And so that 188% uh, advance in the HUI gold stock index uh, was uh, what you would expect uh, historically. I, I had told people it's going to be a triple digit advance, and it wound up being an 188% advance. So we just saw a steep gold sell-off unexpectedly from my vantage point within the last few weeks, and then we saw a phenomenal snapback rally. So what does this snapback rally that we just saw within the last few weeks tell us about where the gold stocks might be headed we had you know we've got this uh um parallel market in 1929 so what i've been telling subscribers is that uh during 1929 homestake mining was the largest gold stock of the day uh and it sold off along with the stock market so it was a dramatic i mean obviously such, just a shock to the financial system and so the uh, homestake mining sold off in tandem with the stock market exactly what we're seeing right now and 
uh, at the bottom of 19 November of 1929, which was the bottom of the crash, Homestake Mining started to advance and would experience one of the greatest bull markets and precious metal stocks in history into 1936, over 700% advance. So what I've been telling subscribers is that this is our complement. This 90-year cycle is uh, we have the DNA, uh, the same DNA as the 90-year cycle. Um, you know, here we have today, even as we go to press here, so to speak, uh, Bill, we've got Homestake, um, New, uh, Newmont Mining uh, leading the charge here where we've retraced almost the entire 37% decline. Very impressive trade. Uh, so the expectation and what I'm orienting my, my subscribers to is, you know, go with the blue chips right now because uh, they are showing relative strength, which would, you'd expect during these uncertain times that the, you know, the most diversified, the most financially secure companies are going to outperform the junior miners, you know, and the smaller precious metal stocks at this point in time. And they are. Uh, so uh, very impressive perform Barrick as well. Very impressive performance. They're, you know, they're the the blue chips. They're leading the way. Uh, they indicate that we have a final crash low in place, and uh, the prospect is for a long term uh, six year bull market. Would you say we're confirmed then for the bull market, or are we on the edge of being confirmed from a, like a technical cyclical standpoint? Boy, it's such an interesting place. Interesting that you asked that, Bill. Um, the uh, I want to see Newmont regain uh, its high from February. Uh, so uh, what uh, I've been looking to do for subscribers, I've told them uh, it's bullish. If you get a buy signal in your own work, you need to take it. Uh, obviously, there's a you know the whole range of uh, people that I have in my subscriber base, some of which do their own market timing, uh, use us for our long-term analysis because it's available nowhere else. And so I've uh, given them a green light to be a buyer. Uh, with obviously the hope with subscribers is that they're going to, you know, if they're going to enter, they're going to know where to get out if they're wrong. So uh, as an advisor, I never make a recommendation without uh, telling subscribers where to get out if we're wrong. So you know up front what your risk is. So that said, I have uh, I do have a specific recommendation in the gold market uh, for an investment buy and also in Newmont Mining as the leader. Uh, that's going to be going out this morning to subscribers. Um, so I've stood aside this entire wipeout in precious metal stocks. Um, and But uh, in light of what's taking place, uh, everything is conforming to the post-1929 crash. Uh, so the expectation is going to continue to do so. So I am bullish. Uh, it's uh, just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, getting in with the right money management. And so I do have that in Newmont. So we're on the cusp. I think it's touched as high as 5081. The high was 5250. Uh, it's the, 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 you know, it's the leader of the pack and it's also the largest precious metal stock. Uh, so uh, it is, uh, you know, something of the 800 pound gorilla. And if it pushes over the top, that is going to be a very important uh, indication. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Arcana Corporation is on the verge of bringing the world's highest grade silver mine into production. The Revenue Virginius Mine in Colorado has proven improbable silver reserves grading nearly 37 ounces per ton silver with an all-in sustaining production cost of only US $8 per ounce of silver. The mine is fully permitted with infrastructure already in place and the company has announced they plan to commence production in 2020. Achieving successful production usually results in a significant up 
upward share price re-rating on the Lasan curve. Arcana trades under the ticker AUN in Toronto and AUNFF in New York. To learn more, go to arcana.com. That's A-U-R-C-A-N-A.com. With the expected six-year upcycle in the bull market, do you expect it to be even more explosive than that run that Homestake Mining had? Because here, back then, you had the fixed gold price. You didn't have the deri- derivative and the sovereign debt situation that we have now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's a very good, uh, you know, definitely needs to be underscored what you just said. Uh, so it is a fascinating equation uh, it's interesting, for example, uh, you know, it took about uh, one year and four months for Homestake to actually overcome uh, the September 1929 final bull market top. So about one, one year, four months for to regain what was lost during the crash. Well, we're, here we have Homestake threatening that high. So the question in all of our minds is, you know, obviously you have the hard money advocates, the expectation that uh, the the mismanagement in Washington, which has, you know, been underway for decade after decade. Uh, so uh, it's very intriguing to see the gold stocks, um, the resurgence here, uh, and testing the highs this early on. I believe that that's telling. Now we also in the gold market have had historic high volatility, even though the trading range uh, that we've experienced over the last three months has actually been. Uh, uh, quite normal historically, uh, the velocity of the moves, the price moves up and down either on an intraday basis or uh, over the course of you know the last six weeks uh, or as high as they've been since the financial crisis in 2008. So if we push over the top uh, in the gold market, uh, that would also be an indication that uh, basically we're on heightened alert that, well, what does all this mean? You know, what is the implications of uh, you know of the stimulus package and where the government's going to go with this and you know the long-term implications. So um, I wasn't concerned about a financial collapse in 2008 based upon my research, my cyclical work, and so on. Uh, but uh, this time around, very different. Uh, so uh, we're you know if the gold pushes over the highs for the move here, uh, and Newmont is able to regain its February high, that those are very very significant events. When I look at uh, the mining stocks, and I entered into mining stock speculation because of the outsized potential, albeit with a lot of risk, you often get almost a ninety percent blow off the top move right at the peak of the cycle. How does your analysis go into analyzing that blow off the top end of the cycle? You know, it depends on where we are in the economic cycle. So the two key cycles right now uh, that are relevant are the 60-year cycle, which W.D. Gann called the Great Cycle. And this was in the 1960s to where uh, the market, very similar to the 1930s, so very similar to the 90-year cycle. They're both in sync. And uh, in these two instances, the initial advances between 1930 and 1933 and 1960 and 1963 were rather gradual. So I've alerted my subscribers to that, that, you know, that this is a patient's play. In terms of the blow off, you know, when we're talking about a six-year bull market, which is what both of those uh, cycles indicate, then at the end of that, uh, you would expect uh, to experience a blow-off advance. Uh, so off the top of my head, I can't say that it's 90% or whatever, but that is, you know, that's the type of analysis 
that I do historically. For so, for example, in home stake mining, uh, it's been trading on the New York Stock Exchange for since 1879. So we would look at every bull market top in history in order to anticipate what that final culmination top would be. Uh, Barron's Gold Stock Index that starts in 1939. So uh, we have a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good history. Um, I'm not sure the total number of bull markets in history, but we look at each and every one of them. And uh, then we also, uh, all of our historic data is in uh, what we call a research engine. So I'm able to query the research engine and say, uh, you know, show me all of the final legs up in bull markets in history uh, in precious metal stocks and, you know, out comes a spreadsheet showing each and every blow-off advance. Based on your research and analysis, would you say that the gold sector poses the best risk-reward to investors right now? No doubt. No doubt. So very unique place in history and, and really the only uh, parallel would be 1929. Uh, so, you know, the, the wild card, of course, is the price of gold uh, since it was fixed uh, until 1933. And obviously that played, uh, you know, that uh, that played to the benefit of homestake mining where they're, you know, they were producing gold and selling it at, at uh, you know, whatever it was, $32 an ounce. Uh, while everything else is deflating, all other prices are deflating, and and the consequence of whether copper companies or silver, silver traded freely at that time, uh, so it was, uh, you know, the price of gold uh, being fixed was a, a tremendous benefit. So, you know, in our environment, the question is, well, how is gold going to act 90 years later since it's not not fixed? Um, and uh, that's one of the million dollar questions I believe it's going to be answered. Uh, if the gold advances to a new high here, you know, here we have, think about it, Bill. So we have, here we have a situation where uh, silver and platinum have been absolutely bludgeoned on, you know, declining approximately 40% each over the course of just a matter of weeks during this crash. So they're acting like industrial metals. Uh, but the gold only declines 15%. So it's showing relative strength. And this is one of the keys here because what happened, uh, you know, in 1930s, you know, the, the term cash is king uh, was coined. It meant that if you, you know, were in cash, which at that time was backed by gold, that, uh, that you know, at the bottom of the Great Depression, you could buy 10 times more stock than you could at the top. So the issue that we are facing uh, that's very difficult for investors is that uh, is to understand, but we've got to go back to the lessons of history. If you are preserving your capital right now and everything else is deflating, whether it's real estate or the stocks, you know, traditional stocks and so on, and you can step in, you know, and buy when everyone's selling, buy when there's blood in the streets, then you will have succeeded uh, in in you know, in this climate, in a deflationary climate. So we are seeing some very unique things with the gold market only declining 15% and really a knee-jerk reaction to the crash. And then, you know, you know, in where we're seeing right now, it's retraced as much as 76% of that decline. If it can push over the top, then it's going to be telling us something about it, which, yes, I'm a store of value. I'm where people go during crisis. And uh, so these are questions that are being answered, you know, uh, you know, real time for us. James, I mentioned at the outset that my listeners can go to ganglobal.com, and that's GAN with two N's, G-A-N-N, -N, 
global.com and get on your insiders list, which is your free list. But uh, share more. What does your premium service offer and how are you different than other analysts and newsletter writers? Well, it's a single uh, single subscription and uh, comprised of two publications, which is Forensic Forecast, which is a video uh, presentation three to, uh, three times a week. And there's also a PDF presentation with text slides. So uh, about 80% of our subscribers both listen to the video and read the text slides. But there's a certain portion of people that just like to look at the, the charts and the text slides. A little more concise, I'd say. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's a quick read. So I, if I tell subscribers, if you're in a hurry, make sure that you read the PDF because you can get through it in three to four minutes. Um, so... Uh, along with that publication is the Position Traders Hotline. So that's where I make specific recommendations both for investment and speculative purposes. Uh, so we used to have four publications, but just consolidated them, simplified it. Uh, and the, you know, it's, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the benefit, um, I'm not isolated in just looking at precious metal stocks and, and precious metals in that industry, because in a situation like this, Context is important. You know, here we've had the the crude oil drop 71 percent. Uh, we've had the precious metals do what they're doing. The stock market dropping 35 percent. Basis the S and P 500, and uh, so everything is an organism right now. And so, uh, in looking at historic DNA, in looking at 1929, you're able to gauge different things because you're looking at all the markets and how they're relating to each other. Uh, and that's not that's not something that um, well, there's first the history, um, you know, there's history that we've accumulated back to the 1700s that just no one has. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's one of what I, I call a competitive advantage uh, when you know, you know, history. And a lot of that had to be manually inputted. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of hours uh, to get uh, various markets going back to the early 1800s with daily data. Would you say most of your subscribers subscribe for your market timing? Uh, most of them for the forecasting, interestingly enough. Interesting. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, because there's uh, so a lot of you know banks, hedge fund managers, and things like that, where it's just it's information that is not available anywhere else, and they are expert and professional in their own right. Uh, but they have found that okay, well, this is some this is a perspective. I want to know what history says, and uh, we try to you know I, we do our best to put it in a format uh, that is uh, easy, easily understandable. And uh, at times like this, I, I don't know how anyone can, uh, can operate in one sense without you know, the, the guidance of, of history and, and when people were freaking out like they are right now. One more question on that note. It seems unprecedented to me what we're experiencing now. Uh, would you agree with that, number one? And number two, because of that, doesn't it make it harder to put in a historical overlay of over what we are experiencing? Mm, good question, Bill. I think the velocity of what's taken place the, the, has made it challenging for everyone and the, vo the volatility. Uh, but one of the things, uh, for example, uh, at the top in the stock market here in February, what we experienced was the initial sell-off in the S&P 500 uh, was a higher velocity than any time in history. And so this alerted me to the fact, okay, there's something bigger going on here because we've never come off a top in this fashion. In addition, the final leg up in the stock market is what 
is a subset move, which is a runaway. So it just was moving straight up, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't of the highest order runaway. Um, so markets when a runaway is basically a market that's moving up with very very small minor sell-offs on the way up, which is what we were doing in the stock market. So those two factors that we retrace that entire runaway, and we dropped the velocity of our decline was greater than anything since 1886. It's never happened before. Uh, alerted me, and I told subscribers, you shouldn't be in stock market investments at this point. And that was during that just a minor 50% rally. I said, I'm out of the stock market completely in my own personal portfolio. So all that to say, that was an example of extreme market DNA alerting me to something there's something bigger going on here watch out and get out from under thank you for your analysis james you've been listening to james flanagan he's the president and founder of gan global financial website i'm going to be i'm going to link the website in the show notes below and again the website is g-a-n-n global.com thanks for coming on money stock education today and sharing your insights james i appreciate it my pleasure Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.